This is Defenders TV Podcast, episode 122, about The Punisher, season 1, episode 1, 3am. That was our new theme tune from Tritachion. Thanks for that, guys. Welcome back, fellow Defenders. This is episode 122 of Defenders TV Podcast, and we're here to start our Punisher coverage with Season 1, Episode 1, 3am. I say start, but if you are on our podcast feed over at DefendersTVPodcast.com slash iTunes or any of the other podcast catchers, you've already heard my preview podcast, my spoiler-free preview podcast for this season. Yes, we did. There was a shocking revelation in that, I think, wasn't there? There was. I, I kind of watched ahead, something I've never done for any of the Defenders shows. Yes. We're still tied, bound, and gagged, yeah, <laughs> from from looking and, and watching ahead. Well, the whole point of Defenders TV podcast is we do episode-by-episode coverage of these shows, but Netflix were good enough to give us the first 13 episodes of the show, which is all episodes of the show, so I kind of watched ahead and thought, you know, it's a good idea at this point watching this show getting a bit of a head start on it because I was really nervous coming into this one. But we'll talk about the reasons why and we'll talk about all of the episode as we go into it. This is a spoiler-filled podcast. Do not listen to this until you've watched the episode of the show. But I'm your host, Derek. Hi, I'm one of your other hosts, John. And rounding out the group, I'm not the punter for sure, but I am Chris Jones. Yes, he is Chris Jones. And he's Chris Jones in New York, Chris. I am currently sitting in West 16th, uh, between 7th Avenue and 8th Avenue. I Don't give them the address, Chris. That's <laughs> not the address, it's just the road, it's fine. Yes, I'm the roving reporter for mm-hmm. the first few episodes of this. I am recording in New York. I have yet to make it down to Hell's Kitchen. Actually, no, I lie. I was actually in Hell's Kitchen last night. Were you there with your billy clubs? I, I wasn't. Swinging through the skyscrapers? I wasn't. Um, I was sitting pensively on a rooftop with a glowing fist, just looking out, slightly <laughs> shadowed. I thought it'd be much more likely that you'd be down there drinking whiskey. Yeah. yeah. So we can't take credit for sending Chris to uh, Hell's Kitchen or to New York for, uh, <laughs> for the Defenders. Uh, but it is great that you're able to come and join us for the podcast, obviously, as we go, Chris. It's really cool. Uh, let's get in to our spoiler-filled discussion about this episode. I don't want to hold back anymore. This show has been pushed a few times from release. It's only been about three weeks since we knew when these episodes were coming. So um, I think we can't hold off anymore, really, can we? But before we just get into that, over on our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Defenders TV podcast, I posited a theory, one that I actually got right, that, hmm, since they're pushing the episodes, do we think it would come out on November 17th up against the one and only Justice League that Friday on a worldwide release? And we were like... Uh, don't think so. Maybe. Mm. And I said it would. And I got another one right. In Defenders, I may not have got the idea of a massive hand coming out of a massive hole uh, (laughs) in the ground. But I did get this theory right. But if you do like listening to random theories, not just on our podcast, but want to posit your own, make sure you come over to our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Defenders TV podcast. 
Absolutely, yeah. yeah. We'll have our spoiler posts as usual uh, for each of the episodes of uh, Punisher, so you can watch it whatever way you want to and leave your thoughts about each of the episodes and discussion points for us to talk about on the podcast. And of course, um, all 13 episodes of The Punisher as we release uh, our reviews uh, on Defenders TV Podcast will be available from Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or any other good or evil podcast catcher. Please go on over to our website, uh, DefendersTVPodcast.com, and go to our subscribe section. And you can choose whatever podcast catcher you want to listen to us on. Um, And whilst you're over there as well, you can also uh, rate us or leave a review. Uh, The more we get, the more people that can find us. And of course, it helps our little old podcast. So I think with that, Derek, what are some of the episode details for 3 a.m.? A brand new showrunner has come along with a brand new show. We've got Steve Lightfoot as the full showrunner for The Punisher. And as usual, he gets to write the first two episodes of his brand new show. Steve Lightfoot, we we probably know from uh, being a producer and writer over on Hannibal. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, he wrote 20 episodes of that show. So um, an interesting guy to bring on board for uh, for The Punisher. Do you think there'll be blood? Do you think there might be gruesome blood given the Hannibal? Yeah, I think it's it's pretty likely that he's got a, mm. got a gruesome mindset to uh, to bring on board. For yeah, the it's an interesting choice and probably one I think that might marry quite nicely uh, into the show. One that probably, you know, yes, doesn't shy away from the gore, uh, but does it in a way that is probably uh, quite realistic mm. or classy, shall we say. Um, Hannibal certainly had a lot of classy, bloody deaths. Certainly did, certainly did. Classy. Yes. That's one way of putting it. Well, they had a cello stick coming out of his throat on one of them, so that was fairly you know, classical music. That's more imaginative, less classy. Yeah, some very interesting ideas over on Hannibal. Hopefully he can bring, the, bring them to the rest of the season over here. Yeah, I suspect the Punisher will be a bit more direct with his... Um, acts of violence possibly yeah possibly uh, this episode was directed by Tom Shankland uh, one of the other good things that they're doing with all of the Defenders shows they've been bringing on directors who've worked on the previous shows Tom Shankland worked on Iron Fist he did uh, Rolling Thunder Dragon Punch which was episode 3 he did Luke Cage Dwick my favourite named episode of uh, of that season of Luke Cage uh, and he also did three episodes of House of Cards so a guy that's known over on the Netflix platform John do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for the episode sure Six months after completing his punishment of the Kitchen Irish and the Dogs of Hell, Frank Castle is back in New York and taking out his anger on a building site. Living under his original name, Pete Castiglione, he spends his days trying to avoid forming friendships and his nights reliving his family's murder. At the same time, tenacious agent Diana Madini is transferred to New York's Homeland Security Office from Afghanistan after her investigation into a local police officer's death is squashed. Back in New York, she can't shake off her investigation, and despite being warned away from the case, she enrolls her partner, Agent Sam Stein, to continue the investigation of the incident in Kandahar, involving the blacksmith and connected to Frank Castle. Meanwhile, at the building site, new worker Donny Chavez is desperate to make an impression and falls in with four other workers on the site, Lance, Paulie, Leo and Scott. When Scott gets injured in a work accident, the rest of the crew bring Donnie into the team for a snatch and grab on the Nucci crime family's weekly card game. But Donnie messes up, exposing the group to the Nucci's and himself to the wrath of his work buddies. When Frank hears the gang attempting to kill Donnie for his mistake, he stands up for the little guy, killing the group and taking out every member of the Nucci card game. 
But as Castle leaves the Nucci murder scene, a watcher in waiting picks him out from a security footage. Welcome back, Frank. The familiar line for any comic book readers there. Welcome back, Frank. Yeah, that's the uh, one of the awesome series from Punisher. Um, well known to comic book fans. So uh, I think we need to get into the episode details now. Thanks for your synopsis, John, as always. Chris, let's start off the way we always do when we start a brand new series of Defenders. What did you think of the theme and opening credits for the show? This is something that we're going to be seeing every time for the next 13 episodes. How do you think they kind of write? So music-wise, I really feel they've managed to hit the nail on the head amazingly. And I'm going to use a lot of graphic imagery uh, as I just make my descriptions throughout these podcasts because I thought it would only fitting based on what it is. So taking the trailer, the trailer theme, they had the Metallica and they what they managed to do was um, sync the gunshots to the drums. And it was like... Yes, from Metallica uh, was, 1, yeah. Yeah, amazingly done, beautiful. So from that point, I knew this was going to be... Music-wise, it was always going to be very interesting. Similar to the way that we had Luke Cage. Luke Cage was steeped in music. Mm-hmm. This is going to be quite similar. But it's going to be a different style of music. It's going to be slightly country. Not even country, folky. Let's say folky. Yeah. With a very hard, heavy tone. I think what we see in this episode with uh, with Frank playing the guitar with his uh, with his daughter at the start of this episode, I think that's kind of an indication that it needs to be kind of an acoustic uh, style for the music. Um, the music for the show was written by Tyler Bates, who's done soundtracks for loads of films. Most notably, probably for this show, he was uh, he's done John Wick Volume One and Volume Two, um, which is a similar type of character as we thought we were going to get with Frank Castle or we think we're going to get with the show uh, but he also did the, the soundtracks for Marvel for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 and 2 including that David Hasselhoff song Chris uh, one of your <laughs> yeah. favourites uh, and he's yes. recently been collaborating with Marilyn Manson which kind of has that metal side of things probably a reason why he was picking up on something like Metallica for the show as well Yeah it's interesting I um, I must say uh, the theme tune came as a, a, a surprise to me I wasn't expecting it to have that kind of country folksy edge to it as you say chris and um, but i loved how um it, it it was really beefed up and 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 made more rocky um so i i really like that and actually i find it really works and i think um yeah the opening credits as well it just reminds me of daredevil actually to some extent mm-hmm. I, I like um i like the the gun imagery going into the skull uh just towards the end of the credits i think that's really good um and and i like the the black and white association here i think it works obviously it mirrors his his classic black and white costume yeah. from the comics with the the black t-shirt and and the white skull so uh yeah i i really liked it but certainly the opening theme came as a little bit of a surprise to me i wasn't expecting them to to go down uh, that route but then i've never really associated uh, a, a type of music uh, with the punisher right. other than the sound of gunfire right right, right. in that sense what I did like about the theme, what I think they, they picked up really well on in the theme is the whistling that's going on in the background. That really does sound like an army force whistling together as they go on their march, kind of that, that really old school armed forces thing that you see in training and basic training in, in movies and TV shows. I think that was a really nice touch. Uh, yeah, opening credits I think worked really well for me. They're very simple. They're very plain. They're very straightforward which is exactly what Frank Castle is. He's very simple. He's very plain. He's very straightforward about his attitude. So yeah, I think a really good, uh, really good touch. Yeah. So on that note, guys, uh, we, we've chatted about the theme. We've chatted about the opening credits. 
let's move over now to to the main topic at hand. Our top five points uh, on the opening episode, 3 a.m. So for those of you who are just joining us on the podcast for the first time, just for the Punisher, welcome aboard. You've joined us for an interesting show. The way that we cover our, our shows and each episode is that we each take our top five points, we merge them together, and we choose one one cons- consensus of top five. So what we think that these are the, between the three of us, our top five points. We discuss those points, and then at the end of the episode, we decide whether we defend or choose not to defend each of these episodes. So on that note, gentlemen, let's do it. We are here for The Punisher, season one, episode one, 3 a.m., Derek, would you like to take away our first point? Yes, yes. Point one, I think it's really important here. This is slightly tied into um, Daredevil. So it kind of finishes off the Punisher storyline from Daredevil. We have him still on his vengeance trip at the beginning of the episode. The uh, the cold open, I guess you call it, before the credits roll. Uh, is Frank finally finishing off the final two members of the Dogs of Hell, who we've seen in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and we saw in, uh, in Daredevil, and... The Kitchen Irish, where he finishes the two of them off. What do you think of these scenes? The first one is where Frank takes the thousand-yard shot from across <laughs> the city of El Paso, taking out his final victim, who is being welcomed home after escaping from New York, but not from Frank Castle. Yeah, no, that's a funny moment. I mean, even just with the the two guys as they're walking into that house or that club, I should say, uh, where they're saying he's not going to get anywhere near us here because he doesn't need to be. And then it just uh, pans back to, yeah, however, however thousands of meters he is as he's using his sniper skills. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I really have to say that I loved this thousand year chat. I didn't know where it was going. I know. I was like, okay, they're going to get, like, we're going to get a graphic love scene and Frank's going to bust in. And it was like, so he's not going to Mexico. I don't get it. And then you see this, like, pan back. Mm -hmm. And it was just him then uh, at the periscope. Is that scope? Scope or periscope? Scope, excuse me. And then we hear the click and nothing happens. I'm like, what? What? Mm -hmm. What's going on? And then you get that delay and it's just amazing yeah the obviously computer generated pan back i just thought was it was fantastic it was this you're very you're setting up at the very beginning that this man is an expert marksman he's well trained and then of course we move over to the bathroom killing Mm mm-hmm which has its own hilarity in it um yes (laughs) as the final member of the Hell's Kitchen gang is hearing his uh, his call out to go back to Dublin where he's running away from uh, from <laughs> Hell's Kitchen as well because he doesn't want to be killed by the Punisher. Uh, he's hearing the call out. He's kind of saying that he's going to get a party when he gets home to Ireland um, from everybody welcoming home, but he's never going to make it as uh, Frank joins him in that cubicle. I actually found this even funnier than the thousand yard shot mm-hmm. because to begin with, um, the, it sounded as though he was trying to squeeze out a really difficult uh, number two. So um, 
with the guys in the in the bathroom, I thought it was more that they were going, oh gosh, you know, you must have had a really bad curry or, or something <laughs> like that. And then obviously it was that they could see the the, the four feet uh, at the bottom of the cubicle. Yeah. I was like, okay, lads, give it a rest. That was really funny. Yeah. Um, just but the sounds coming out of there really um, sounded painful. <laughs> yeah, they did. I was reminded of the uh, Austin Powers. <laughs> Uh, scene and it was literally that which is where in that old ep- in that old film Austin Powers is old now damn god he sounds like Tom Holland I know it's like you know back like the, the, the Empire that one I'm like oh now I feel like, now I feel old anyway back to my point in the Austin Powers there is a an assassin that kills someone by coming from behind the stall a panel behind the stall. That joke is made. Buddy, we can do this. We can be there together. I was very much expecting something like that. And I thought it was quite funny. I think it was more because I knew that scene. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. But with the death of those two characters, that is that does put the end to the Punisher's punishment. And I like that um, we have Frank back in New York um, now kind of going into the phase after being the Punisher. He's taken back his old name. He's become Pete Castiglione. So our point number two is the rehab of Pete Castiglione. So he, I don't know, he's not doing as well as he probably thought he was going to be doing after taking vengeance on the people who killed his family. Yeah, I mean, this is this is really good, actually. I think, um, you know, it, it, it's that idea that he still has that loss. He's still having the, the nightmares uh, and the flashbacks of... Uh, of his wife and children you know these this this vengeance hasn't led to him being able to to move on he he's kind of taken the, this job uh, effectively with a massive hammer uh, just destroying concrete walls mm-hmm. uh, you know again it's the frustration it, it's the pent up anger that he's able to release uh, in this job but the the vengeance has been done it's been completed and he is still deep within himself emotionally and still uh, unable to sort of reconcile the events that have happened. Mm-hmm. And I think as well, it's a really good look at how certain decisions, actions that you take um, ultimately may not result in freeing you from what you thought they would do in the end. And yeah. I, I, I really enjoyed that. You know, he's very silent. I think Donnie Chavez says you don't speak a lot. I think they share lunch up on, on the top of yeah. the building site. He doesn't say a word um, for no. most of this episode. Yeah. Exactly. And, and the, you have that moment where, you know, he shares, he's trying to share part of his lunch with him and all this become, you know, get some work friends and, and all that, uh, Donny Chavez. And um, Frank's first thought is immediately to avoid that, to push that away. Mm. He says, I'm not here to make friends, basically. Yeah. You know, he's still within himself. He's very uh, distrustful as well. Yeah. So I, I liked that. And I liked how that sort of fairly soberness of of, of him working on that um building site sort of it, it does slightly contrast with the 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 finishing off of the kitchen irish and, and the dogs of yeah. of hell you know all that kind of um slightly light-hearted approach to him uh finishing his job on the vengeance trail mm-hmm. uh suddenly kind of like comes crashing down to him chipping away at that concrete wall yeah. i suppose it's a bit of a metaphor 
Well, absolutely. I think I think the opening segment of this does feel like comic book Punisher. It feels like Punisher going out on his mission to to kill the people that he wants to take vengeance on. What I love about this scene is really he lost his family, he lost his children. Back in Daredevil, we saw that storyline. But now he's truly alone. For the last period of time that he's been killing off the Kitchen Irish and killing off the Dogs of Hell, he's not been alone because he's been there with his vengeance. That's now gone. So where does that leave Pete Castiglione, where does it leave him? How is he now? And he's not doing well, as you say. This this thing here of him breaking down the wall. This was used for one of the trailers for the Punisher, if you remember, where they yeah. had um, they had the Punisher smashing mm-hmm. into the ground with a sledgehammer, and that created the Punisher symbol in the ground. I remember even the person who did that scene, the stuntman who was working on it, saying after a day of doing that, his arms were shaking from the vibrations of it. And what we have here with Pete Castiglione in here knocking down the wall, he's doing it day and night from 7 a.m. to midnight some nights into the middle of the morning. He's doing it every single day over and over again for months, it seems like. So um, this has taken a toll on him, but this is the only thing he's able to do to get his mind off what's going on. This repetition of he has a job to do and he goes and does it whenever he needs to get his mind off where he is in his life. Yeah. From my own personal view, this rehab scene, I really enjoy it. And I think they call it out very much. It was the young gentleman in the the veterans group session where it's like, we fought our war and we came back to nothing. So what we're seeing here is Frank, Pete, he did his war. He got his war. He got his vengeance. And now he's come back to nothing. Exactly. Because he doesn't have his family, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't have friends. We do, he does have a friend in the uh, gentleman who's running the the group session. Yes, Kurt. Yeah, uh, Kurt, who is we assume was one of his team members because he does say, "Lieutenant, I would have been there with you." So he does have a friend. Mm-hmm. He, if like he says to Frank, he would have helped out, uh, which is very interesting. The one thing I, I have to say, the writer here, who's Steve Lightfoot, um, Lightfoot in name and Lightfoot by nature, I, and if you follow what I mean, is that these are some very deep, yeah. deep uh, kind of emotional parts. Mm-hmm. Basically, he's got PTSD mm-hmm. and like he's seeing the, the imagery of his family, but then and they're having this very then in this very deep conversation in a uh, a group session. And then he'll make a joke about uh, Kurt's one leg and yeah. kicking Frank's ass. Yeah. And I, I found that juxtaposition really, really good. Well, that yeah. works really well for these for these former soldiers. You know, that is the kind of humor that they use. It's very gallows humor that they use with each other. What I do, again, like about this part of the rehab for Frank is that while he's not in the sessions, he doesn't sit in the sessions, he sits outside the circle and is listening to some of the experiences these other former vets are going through. So... While Frank won't let himself sit in a room and be analyzed by anybody, he will hear what other people are going through. So he probably takes some solace from what's going on with uh, under Kurt. He's taking some experiences from other people and then just using them himself. Yeah, I, I like that treatment of of Frank Castle mm. where he's he's stood outside the room and because I mean as well for him, yeah, as you say, Chris, he's going through PTSD as much as a- any of the 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 other people in that circle. Mm-hmm. Yet. He's had his family taken away, which presumably was his hope whilst he was in Afghanistan and out in the field conducting the war that, um, you know, he would come back to them. And then that's ripped away as well. So it's this double trauma for Frank of 
having been and fought in a conflict such as Afghanistan, um, as well as then having his family taken away. Yeah. And I, I really like that. And I, I really hope that this um, seems to be covering, you know, as much the, the a veteran's story of being in a conflict uh, and and how Frank uh, fits into that as much as the Punisher and, and the stuff that he does and I'm I'm really intrigued by that because I mean we talked about PTSD for Iron Fist as well mm-hmm. but I don't think that really got pulled off by by the showrunner at all um, whereas here this already feels uh, really uh, interesting look at the Punisher from a sort of military perspective and that kind of look at and story of military coming back from war and as you say chris that that idea of being everything out there uh believing that they're fighting for the country but then the country back in america maybe is less supportive of what they were doing Um, Mm and it's almost like vietnam as well in a sense so i think there's some really interesting connections here that are just starting to pop their heads out uh from behind the the trench so to speak you know for for the punisher uh, story and what maybe we we get to see over the the next 12 episodes as well or uh, and the themes that that it brings in definitely absolutely absolutely yeah i'm really interested to see where they take this yeah for the longest time i had no idea how they were going to do a punisher show about the Punisher when we saw his story slightly wrapped up in Daredevil. Mm-hmm. His origin story, if you will. Um, and I was like, so, but they've taken away the thing that he does, the reason he's the Punisher. So I was very interested to see where they take this in terms of they're now taking into, he's a, they're rehabbing him as Pete Castelloni. Um, but will I want to see when will Frank Castle come back? Mm-hmm. How, what causes Frank to come back um, what brings him out of the woodwork but we are episode 1 of 13 down I exactly. am just speculating now so I know it will come at some point um, but Derek do you want to take us on to our next point because otherwise I could sit here and talk about poor old Pete uh, quite a lot Yes, absolutely. I think it's one of the best moments in the episode, really. Um, I think our next point is is Donnie's bad decision, which is kind of, I think this could have been the template for a lesser Punisher show. Um, It really gave me vibes of The Incredible Hulk from the 70s, 80s uh, TV shows, where effectively Frank has come into town, he's taken a job, minding his own business, and without without doing anything, he's suddenly falling into the situation for somebody else, and by using his special skills, he has to save the person. But we have Donnie here, who's the new kid on the block joining up um, with the builders effectively and we see how desperate this kid is to find a friend he seems to be going around to everybody going please take me to lunch please involve me in your conversations come on please he's like a little puppy uh, trying to be involved with everybody on the building yeah, side. he's a good networker he's a good networker that's a good way of putting it but he just seems so um so nervous and and so alone in himself and he's looking for other people whereas frank is the kind of person that's completely stay back from everybody but because of his need to get close to people and need to be around people, he makes a terrible decision by hooking up with these other four guys. Definitely. I mean, I really um, felt same way. It was could have been this kind of mission of the week from, from Frank. Um, and, I mean, to an extent, I think this episode is that in, in its broadest possible sense. Um, yeah. You know, our point two 
being an exception, I think, to that, which I hope that that runs through uh, the rest of of the series. But certainly, um, you know, it really could have been mission of the week. Which bad guys is the Punisher? Is Frank Castle going to take out? in each episode yeah. but having said that i think it's a nice introduction for the punisher because that is also uh, an element of, of his history in the comics in terms of the weekly or monthly issues of comics you know so um i, I like that i felt it more as uh, an homage to that kind of storytelling Absolutely. as well um and i think yeah donnie is um it's an interesting character because he is he's eager to find friends and frank castle pete Castelloni isn't he doesn't want that he doesn't want that attention Donnie seeks it out and in the end he seeks out bad attention um you know this is uh really were you know I mean Scott you would not want to necessarily um become friends with a person called Scott mm-hmm. it sounds um dark and dangerous to say at the very least but yeah he gets in with Scott there's Lance and this this uh, foursome of people who ultimately then you know, have also done bad stuff. They're on the wrong side of the tracks. They owe money. And so in the end, are having to do this, you know, grab and snatch this, this robbery of some very powerful, very dangerous people in the Nucci family, uh, the, this Italian crime family there in New York. And so, um, I have to say when he's taking all the money off the, uh, the card table, I really enjoyed that whole scene because I thought like he, he had that, you know, deer course in the headlights look with his eyes and it is fumbling around and i was just there going that would be exactly what happens to me i would get the bag handle caught on the chair i would drop my my wallet my id would show and i'd basically because of the nerves and all this and Mm -hmm. i i really kind of felt for him there and then certainly when you know, he goes back to um, the building site with the other guys and they just turn on him, that yeah. they have to finish him off and kill him. And, like, I thought the turn in that character uh, was really good. You know, this kind of innocent naivety, trying to find friends, trying to fit in with the crowd, and then all of a sudden, in doing so, has put himself ultimately in great jeopardy. Absolutely. Uh, and him turning into this this frightened kid and i thought the way he i thought actually the acting in the scene as he's kind of being dragged and how he's trying to stop them from killing him the desperation in it i thought he really got that down to a t here i thought it was some really good acting um and i i i kind of enjoyed uh, then obviously seeing um frank uh, swoop in with his hammer Absolutely. But this was the four guys fault, right? You don't bring a kid like that on his first job into the Nucci family and make him go round the table picking up all the money. You make him hold the gun while somebody else does that. Someone competent who can get them out quickly. They keep telling him, come on, let's go. Come on, let's go. Get more money. Get more money. Come on, let's go. Come on, let's go. Get more money. Get more money. Like He's getting wrong directions from everybody. It's That's what's making him fumble all the time. This isn't really his fault. But yeah, Carrying your carrying your uh, photo ID in the pocket of your jacket while you're walking around probably not the greatest of choices either. Um, so Donnie's mission at the end, as soon as you saw the shot of his wallet, I was like, oh, stupid Donnie! It was just <laughs> signposted a mile off, and I was like, okay, I can see where they're gonna go with this. I honestly believe up until that last 
two seconds where we see another character um, that John mentioned in the synopsis. I honestly believed that this was going to be a procedural. Oh no! That's like I I was pretty sure. Like Derek, you have watched slightly ahead, so mm-hmm. I, I'm taking your word at it, but. If this, if they had have gone down that route, I think it would have been the huge mistake. Yeah. Because I can see an Incredible Hulk, a Castle version of Frank Castle, where he comes in, he writes the wrong, and there's just a larger yeah. thread to it. It wouldn't have been bad. Absolutely. It's the A-team of the 80s, yes. except he kills people. That's the way you absolutely could have done this show if it was done on any other time, any other year, and not any on Netflix. Network. Yes. It would have been a show where it's just Castle going around finding villains and killing them in the most brutal ways he can every week. There was a video game like that. I'm sure you remember that, Chris, the Punisher yep. video game. That's exactly all that game was. It was just him killing loads of people. It would have been boring, and I'm yep. glad they're not going to do it that way. But I like this kind of nod to the possibility that this is what they could have done if they didn't have a good showrunner uh, in, in charge. My kind of thing in my head regarding this is, so the Punisher first made his appearance in What's Amazing Spider-Man mm-hmm. 129, which is 1974, I'm going in the top of my head. I could be completely wrong. I will check it and get Derek to edit it in post-production. <laughs> there, was number, there was numbers and dates in there, Chris, and I wouldn't have gotten it. So. Yeah. So he was going to be a minor second-string character, right? Mm-hmm. He was always going to be, but then popularity kind of ended up shoehorning into the larger uh, Marvel universe as a whole. Like, that's what it was going to be. It's very much the same story for Punisher now in Netflix. In my opinion, I don't think this character was going to be given his own show. Mm -hmm. Basically, they saw the popularity and saw the amazing reception that the character got in Daredevil. Yeah, and yeah. they they decided okay, let's kind of jump on that and let's decide how we're going to move this. So yeah. as you say, they could have made a show like that uh, if it was on any other network at any other time at any other year. Probably would have done Mission of the Week idea, and do you know what? We all would have watched it. Well, we would have watched at least the first couple of episodes and maybe stuck. The fact that they haven't, I'm very happy because yeah. the Donnie storyline didn't click with me okay mm-hmm. um because he was such a flawed character in my opinion his character was very much one-dimensional and it was a plot point that's what donnie was definitely absolutely it's it certainly made there to bring people on board who, who haven't watched uh, the punisher over on over on daredevil or who didn't watch daredevil at all if they if you missed that this is how to catch up really quickly. This is a guy, he doesn't just kill people, he kills the wrong sort of people. He kills the people that he knows are bad and have done bad things. I like the fact that it takes Frank a bit of time to step up. He hears that conversation with the kid. He hears the trouble the kid's in right from the start, but he doesn't go straight out there and start killing these guys. It's only when he hears these guys are going to kill him, like they are going to actually destroy this child or this kid. Um, I'm now going to step in. I have to step in. I can't in all good conscience stay away from this violence that's uh, that's happening here. Yeah, I like that they made that decision. But you're absolutely right, Chris. This is a very straightforward story for The Punisher. And I absolutely think there are some fans out there that wanted that show every week where we'd be doing not the top five points, we'd be doing what are the top five Frank Castle kills in this episode. And that that would be a terrible thing to do. 
We can still do that if you want. We can just embed it into the notes. I hope not. No. So this is my the fixation in my head at this point. Oh, my father was in the Marine Corps too, which Donnie says. So that makes the connection for Frank. Mm-hmm. We never get a, a rationale as to why Donnie does the heist, except for wanting to be liked. Like he spent three hundred dollars. We know he was that was a bad idea, and you see the kind of slightly pained look on his face at mm-hmm. the bar when he's given the thing. Yeah. It's like three hundred, four hundred dollars. Well, these guys are bullies. Like realistically, exactly. they bully him into joining. It's not. It's not yeah. that he wants to. Not even that he maybe needs to. He lives with his grandmother. They say he says he doesn't have much yeah. money of his own. Like he's there working on the building site because he can't find a job anywhere else. But he's bullied into it definitely. Yeah, and it's Donnie's bad decision all the way through. In that, you know, he's trying to get in with with the crowd who really aren't treating him pretty good anyway. That he pays for. $300 for the entire night at the bar that he ultimately yeah comes all on to to this sort of this snatch and grab uh mission that they do to to get money so that the other guy can effectively pay off um his, his debts yep. so yeah i mean it's donnie's just got bad decisions uh littered but i don't think he i i agree he's not necessarily the best character at all chris but i think he is the character for episode one and i think episode one only and we won't we may not see him uh regularly through the the rest of 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 this show i think this is just a one-off character and it's a nod to this kind of storytelling that is um associated with certain storylines of the punisher um, and i think it just eases people in to the punisher and frank castle um as we move forward. Um, oh, that's what I'm hoping. So, yeah. I, I think, look, it, it was an interesting overall. It's, it's not going to be Mission of the Week, Derek. We're, we're, we're trusting in you. If you are an, if you are lying to us, we know the Punisher. We know where yeah, you're going to no spoilers. <laughs> exactly. So uh, let's move on to the, the actual part of the episode that really cocked my ear if I was a dog. It, it, it piqued my interest, if you will. The Homeland Security uh, investigation. At least it cocked your ear and not your leg. Exactly. We're introduced to the character of Dinah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm... I Now, I will hold my hand up. I haven't had a time to um, see is there a backstory in this character? Is she a comic book equivalent, etc. So I'll, I'll know more for the coming weeks. Basically, we're we're led to believe that she's been in Afghanistan. She had a partner who, and another agent, an uh, in-country agent, um, who was part of the Afghani um, police force mm-hmm. or something like that, task force. And he was killed in Kandahar. Yes. Yeah. Um, we're given, we're given the all the devices that you would expect for a show like this. Mm-hmm. Um, we are given the comedic bumbling sidekick partner. Mm-hmm. We are given Yay. this, yeah, which is I, I was happy about that, but it's yeah. still a plot. It, it's still a bit of a trope. <laughs> We're given the strong, determined uh, lead on a mm-hmm. mission, and then we're given the boss. Who tells them to come in and goes? You're gonna give this up. You're not gonna. You're not gonna look after this. You're not gonna go after and investigate this. Yeah. And they still do. 
I know, but I have to say, can I just mention about Wolf, uh, her boss? I really think just the despicable moment when he says what he says to her and she turns around and goes okay you've just been racist sexist straight off the bat with me that's the first thing i've heard you say you're cutting me down to nothing and going you're pretty you're you tick all the boxes that's the only reason you got the job here kind of thing um i do like that moment with wolf i think that's a really it's it's a nice setup for the character um, and again this episode's all about setup you do need to set the characters up you need to know exactly who they are and you're right chris they paint with a very broad brush so you know exactly where you are with these guys what's really important here about though is kandahar has come back kandahar is where everything happened that set off the punisher in daredevil season two that's why he was on this killing mission to kill his former um his former compatriots from the war that's why the blacksmith was so heavily involved that's why all the people all his family were killed so now we're bringing kandahar back into it so now we have a setup through other characters so we don't have to relive it through frank uh, we're getting a, an idea that somebody else is on this investigation as well which is which is why i really like these moments with dinah yeah, I, I really warm to Dinah as uh, a character here. I'm really interested to see how this links in with Kandahar, with this the death of this police officer. Um, I really want to see how it connects in with um, Frank Castle and this the heroin smuggling that ultimately led to the death of his of his wife and family as well you know it, it's really interesting that frank before the punisher is being investigated as potentially being involved in something rotten in uh in afghanistan uh in the military so I, i'm interested to see how that plays out it is it's really intriguing i think the other uh, really nice point here is Diana's mother um, is played by the Iranian actress, and I'll probably not get this name right at all, Sora Agadashlu, um, who also played the president in The Expanse, which I watched recently. And that has another former Punisher, Thomas Jane, in it as yes, well. Yes, that's right. Um, yeah. yeah. I was really surprised to to see her in this because mm-hmm. of just having watched The Expanse. Um, she's got a really interesting way in her speech pattern. I really, I think it's really interesting. It's so different. Um, it's so it, very it different. Like she smokes about two hundred a day. She's got this really gravelly voice, <laughs> and she's got a very different turn of phrase because she's not a native English. Yeah, speaker. exactly. She's, she's able to speak English really well, obviously. But I mean, the, the tone of voice that comes out when she says words, you can see why she plays a president on another TV show. She's got a really strong character, something very interesting about her. And I can't take my eyes off her in The Expanse. I think she's fabulous uh, on that show. Really cool to see her over here. Yeah, definitely. Um, And again, yes, a little Punisher connection back to the original film with Thomas Jane. Well, one of the films. Well, yeah, (laughs) one of the films. Second one, wasn't it? Dolph Lundgren was the original Punisher in the 80s. And then we had uh, Thomas Jane. And then we had uh, Ray Stevenson. Yes. Yes disaster yes <laughs> riddle me this Derek do we see more of her or is she just a, a one-off character at the very beginning not allowed to ask questions like that Chris you're gonna have da- to damn it oh my goodness Derek that's so harsh that is fair that is fair so um just on Shobi, I love her on recommendation by my other two co-hosts I started watching The Expanse as well, so I finished season one, and I love mm-hmm. it. Absolutely love it. So I was lying here on the couch watching this episode, and as soon as I I, I heard the voice before I even saw the actress, I was yeah. like, 
That's her. I know. Yeah. yeah. And it was brilliant. The one bit I'm going to go back slightly, John, is the part, uh, and actually I should say, Derek, you both mentioned this, the connection to the heroin smuggling around Frank. Mm-hmm. I like that at the end because that makes it slightly different. Yeah. yeah. It's not just the trope of a, an agent trying to get vengeance or justice for her ex-partner who mm-hmm. died in a tragic way. This is an, a, a deeper link. And again, I understand what they're trying to do. They're trying to set everything up for those people who do not or have not watched Daredevil Season 2. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see where this goes. I thought this storyline was dead. Right. I very much thought that there's no further avenues. As far as I'm aware, there's only probably two or three surviving members of this group. Yeah. But the line that we haven't mentioned, the one part actually I think that where I think they're going to go and I think is going to be more interesting is when Frank is in the counseling group, group counseling session, he's talking to his friend. Yeah. He goes, do you ever think about Afghanistan? Do you ever think about what we did over there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I could be completely wrong here. I know due to the trailers, we get flashbacks. I think we're what we're going to find out is the heroin smuggling was the tip of the iceberg. I think that's what it's going to be. Yeah, I agree. I'm really interested to see where does this go? Is this, as you say, is it the tip of the iceberg? Was this... Uh, work that he was doing in in Afghanistan, part of a, a bigger thing, a more secretive, covert type of operation. Uh, it'll be really, really interesting uh, to see. And mm-hmm. I kind of like that idea because, again, this makes Frank more dubious uh, as a character in that, you know, is it a question of he's following orders, but how far does he go following those orders? If he knows what the goal of the operation that he's involved in in Afghanistan is. So this really kind of throws um, light back onto Frank Castle yeah. with regards to his position as well. And I'm really interested to see how far and which way does that go in, in the upcoming episodes. Yes. Um, yeah. It should be really interesting. Definitely, definitely looking forward to more of that. Um, on to point four, number five, our final point of, uh, of this discussion. Um, it's really because this is what the Punisher is known for in the comic books is these type of setup situations, I suppose. So Frank really does some overkill here. (laughs) So he finds that Donnie's about to be killed and takes out the three guys that are the ones that are going to kill Donnie and then goes back and kills all of the members of the Ganucci card game, gives all the money to Donnie and sends him out of town. What do you think? Is this a bit too much of overkill or is this just Frank kind of ears perking up going, great, I have another gang to kill? Yeah, well, it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because for me, I'm kind of like going, okay, Scott, uh, Lance and, and, and the rest of them. Okay, they weren't particularly nice and so on, but they were still construction workers. Um, I didn't really get a sense that they went any deeper into being bad guys, like being drug runners or human traffickers or members of crime, a crime family or gang. They definitely mentioned that that's not the first job. They're looking for another job to pay back. Yeah, so they're, they're kind of doing, you know, they're doing robberies and thefts and, and, and so on. Mm-hmm. And, it, and this one was more about so that he could pay his bill. So 
they're still construction workers and then okay then you have you know level up level up again and you have the nucci uh, crime family uh, and who are probably much more violent but frank actually doesn't distinguish between either of those so i think this adds a really interesting dynamic to frank and another dimension is that uh, to what point does he go okay you're doing something bad but you're not a serial killer you're right. you're not um involved in drug trafficking human trafficking you're not into you know however many awful things you could do at what point does he distinguish mm-hmm. you know where does his his stop button on vengeance happen at this moment it doesn't stop at construction workers who yes they're doing a bad thing yes they were going to do a bad thing um but did they need to have multiple limbs broken sledgehammers in the face that made me want to turn away from from the screen just seeing that sledgehammer swing into their face and then obviously getting dumped into the the concrete yeah i know i know what you mean like these guys were so intent on killing donny though i think they in punisher's mind if he was going to save donny's life he had to kill them that's that's the point i think the the surprise to me was that he went after all of the ganucci card game everybody that was still there tooling up to go after donny they went he went straight after them and killed every single one of them as well in a in a classic punisher moment i suppose yeah uh, in the darkness he comes out like the vengeance demon taking out everybody in the room and then pulls one guy's gun uh into his own face killing him um that was a pretty nice move uh, in that move, sense yeah. yeah yeah um cinematography wise the action was beautifully done beautifully directed beautifully choreographed the sledgehammer scene, the bone crunching sound effects, mm, yeah. um, like the slightly slow mo. They didn't. They slowed it down slightly as the sledgehammer impacts. I had to rewind it to catch it. I couldn't rewind that. This was about again showing people who have not seen Daredevil what the Punisher is about. His over the top nature um, of like how he deals with his punishment his vengeance his justice his form of justice yeah they also wanted to show that he's not just um he's not just an excellent marksman which we see at the beginning of the episode that he is a uh he's a war machine in his own yeah. right he's, he's a, a battler weapon. yes mm-hmm. a slugger yes if you will so he takes out the three members for trying to kill donny yes he had to kind of do it I liked what the, when he actually saves Donny. Um, yes. He saves Donny and leaves him with the cash and says, "Get out of town or leave town." Yeah, that was nice. Written in Johnny's blood. Yeah. Yeah, the Nucci card players. When he takes them out, I actually thought he went in guns a blazing, um, and it was only actually that when we discussed it just before going and recording this that actually no, he were right. He didn't. He slips and slides between them all. Uh, mm-hmm. with knives and makes them kill each other he kills some with the kind of takes them out as well uh, and then the only shot he fires is when he twists the guy's arm while and shoots him while he's still holding his own gun yeah, yeah. which was just, it was excellent yeah it basically sets about how frank will always side with the innocent yes. uh, and he will bring his own form of justice and how uncompromising um, he is as well. Yes, yeah. I think that's it. He is a he's a trained soldier who 
when you give him a mission, when you give him a target, nothing stands in his way. And we learned about this. And again, I'm, I'm trying to put myself into the mindset of a viewer who has ne- hasn't watched Daredevil season two. Okay. And that's what we are getting in a lot of this episode, I feel, because we've seen him for a large amount of episodes. We've seen, we know that he is uncompromising. We know that he does not care about radial damage. He, he will take out everything connected to mm-hmm. an incident. Methodically, he's very trained like that. He's methodical. He will take out each individual, um, head of the Hydra, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like his muscle memory kicks in and it's like yes. all his army training and it's okay. This suddenly becomes a, a campaign. It's a war in its own little way. Yeah. Uh, and, and he's out to destroy the enemy of that moment. Exactly. That is actually a fantastic way of putting it. Each mission is a war and then each war has its enemy and he has to single-handedly take them all. And I think it's important here that this is the first mission that we've seen Frank on outside of killing people involved in the death of his family. So while we have talked about him in Daredevil Season 2 being completely uncompromising and killing everybody around it, this isn't that mission. This is to do with a kid he's only known for a couple of days yeah. who sidled up beside him at lunch and gave him a sandwich. So he's going to protect him, but not only protect him, he's going to kill everybody that's a threat to this kid and then get out of town or get, sorry, send the kid yeah. out of town. Um, that's quite, that, that is what I thought was interesting about this yeah. storyline. I didn't like the idea of having this mission of the week thing. What I thought was interesting about it is what it's saying about Frank. He is still completely uncompromising, even though this isn't his fight to have. Yeah. He told the kid to get out of town. The Nucci's were never going to go after the kid. He's killed the other three guys, so they were never, never going to find them. But he's kind of going, well, while I'm at it, I might as well take out the Nucci's too. It's what did President Bush Jr. say? Shock and awe tactics. It mm. is kind of that. And I think that comes back to his, his military training and ultimately the that kind of PTSD element, both in terms of the loss of his family and his experience of war, were, you know, you're trying to relive that previous um, life as, as a soldier right. because that makes you feel comfortable or it it's the moment where it gives you the the ease within yourself um because you knew what to do it was all because of hours and hours of training it came naturally it felt mm-hmm. comfortable that kind of thing yeah. I, so it, it's i wonder as well you know there's that element to to frank's character absolutely absolutely yeah and i think the interesting thing john that you said is the punisher is being unleashed he's at this point now Basically, all his training is kicked back in. And I think that's the interesting part. We've seen a character who's tried to turn his back on who he is. He's a soldier. He's a war machine. He is that, he, he is that spirit of vengeance. He is the punisher. We've seen that. And he's been trying to, with the long hair and the beard, he's trying to hide it. Now that the, the devil has been unleashed. And that is a great thing. We're going into episode two now. The punisher is back. After six months of being in hiding and pushing it all down, the devil is out of the bottle. Mm -hmm. And just obviously for our fellow defenders, yes, we do know that Spirit of Vengeance is Ghost Rider. Uh, We we do know that's a different Marvel character. And War Machine is also another. War Machine is another Marvel character. We do know that. They're just really good descriptions of the Punisher, uh, obviously. Also, 
Punisher has been the spirit of vengeance in some crossover one shots. So I will put that out there. So yes, mm-hmm. he can be also Punisher. He's obviously not Ghost Rider Punisher, <laughs> but anyway, before anyone, before anyone writes back to me with feedback going, well, you're wrong. And he also has been, I think he is now or will be uh, in upcoming arcs, uh, War Machine as well. Well, so. upcoming, you can't. <laughs> Sometime in the future, he will no, also be Doctor artwork. Strange, and um, he will be Can Little Miss. It'll be Little Red Riding Hood. <laughs> Can you imagine that I have Agamato on Frank Castle? No, I don't think he'd have the patience to do that to do the spells. To be honest, but there is just one tiny little point at the end of this, which is part of Frank protecting the innocent because he's under the watchful eye. Um, Love this moment. Love this moment. We know exactly who this character is. I don't think we should spoil it if you haven't watched episode two, but we know who this character is. We know he's watching over Frank. I love the fact that he picks out Frank as he walks away from the Michi murder scene and calls out, welcome back, Frank. He knows exactly who this character is, despite the beard, despite the long hair. Um, He knows exactly who he is. It's quite interesting. I wonder connections Um, between those. And we know who that. Wonder who the connection is here. Well, we can postulate, speculate, and ruminate. Micro. Or we can read IMDb and, and know that it's micro, yes. <laughs> well, we knew that. It was in the subtitles again. Always is. Always is. Um, that's the top five points of the episode. A uh, couple of quick notes about the episode. Uh, one for me, you've already mentioned about Dana's mother, John, obviously, but the other big player that's in this episode, for me, because I'm a kid of the 80s, C. Thomas Howell back in a big production is wonderful to see. C. Thomas Howell was uh, a member of the Brat Pack from the 80s, along with uh, Rob Lowe and uh, all those, uh, Emilio Estevez, Charlie Sheen, all those characters. His star kind of fell a lot faster than those uh, other actors who went all the way through the 90s with uh, with great movies. Um, he's been in productions on sci-fi. I think he owns one of the production companies who makes all those really cheap sci-fi knockoffs of uh, of really big budget films. So I've seen him in a few of those because, hey, I'll watch a lot, of, a lot of strange movies. But it's great to see him back in this show. Um, my favorite film of his is Red Dawn, uh, an 80s movie about uh, kids who have to fight against an attacking force. Um, they, they take up arms and become an army themselves. So uh, a little bit of a connection there for C. Thomas Howell to, to this type of material. So quite cool to see him in there. Chris, you have a note? Yeah. Where's Karen? We know that she is a large player in this uh, series. She's been at the premiere. Um, she has a deep connection to sorry karen hasn't been at the premiere deborah and wall has been at the premiere but we do know that karen has a quite a deep connection to the punisher mm-hmm. i'm assuming that she had no longer has any contact with frank uh just based on the episode he probably has gone full into hiding mm-hmm. but i i thought potentially similar to the scene we got with when he went to the group scene i was expecting her to have tried and constantly coaxed him into a, maybe a coffee or something so we get introduced to her i'm it's just an interesting, it was a note, where is she? And she, yeah. she better come in episode two. Okay. Okay. No, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying nothing. Other note for this episode, we have Book Watch back again for this season. We had Book Watch back in Luke Cage about various books that Luke Cage and the other characters were reading that were connected to the character of, of Luke Cage. Book Watch has started up for the Punisher. Episode one here, he has the book that he brings back to Kurt that he's been reading to bide his time when he's not knocking down a wall with a sledgehammer. Books Moby Dick, obviously a very, very sledgehammer type connection to Frank Castle. He's 
been hunting his Moby Dick for so long. He's been uh, been trying to deal with the death of his family and hunting down every single person involved in that. So quite a specific. Yeah. So I think I think Book Watch is is on for this season. Let's see if we can pick out a book each episode that uh, that represents what's going on in the story. Yeah. Just a final note from myself here, um, which is uh, on addendum to Derek C. Thomas Howell playing the the lead or the head of Homeland Security Division. Wolf, strangely enough, he's not down as a he's he's not down on IMDb, um, which is quite an interesting one. So I'm wondering now. Typically, sometimes this happens for maybe just himself or his agent didn't update it yet, um, or maybe they're they're hiding something, and this is sometimes done just as a way to misdirect people. Um, ahead of time uh, so that they don't know that he was going to be in it mm-hmm. and there's a reason for that he's a major player etc etc so let's see how that plays out as I say as a big 80s movie fan it was a nice pleasant surprise to see him in the show definitely absolutely I hadn't known he was going to be in the show in advance um, yeah I think uh, they, they have played this definitely in the past with for example Kingpin in season two of Daredevil, um, where we see where he appeared without being in any credits before uh, the show aired on the on the season. So, um, yeah, there's been a lot of surprises in Marvel in the past, but it was definitely a pleasant surprise just to see him in the show doing something big uh, as opposed to some sci-fi late night movies. Absolutely. But I think with that final note, we are on to our defend. So typically we will ask one another whether we defend the episode of the show that we're looking at. So for this, Derek, this first episode of The Punisher, 3 a.m., do you defend this episode? I definitely defend this episode, and for one very specific reason, because it's the first episode of a show. Um, if you remember back to Iron Fist, that first episode was the first the first time of all of the Defender series that I didn't defend the first episode for a simple reason, which was that it didn't set up the rest of the series. It started, it put an episode out there and just assumed that the audience were just going to click ahead and watch the next episode. This brings back Frank really well. It sets up who he is. It sets up the dynamic that he has with other characters around him. It sets up some intre- some intrigue for the rest of the season. And it ends with a, no- a lovely cliffhanger, the perfect cliffhanger for you to go, oh, I'm watching episode two. I'm watching episode two. That's all I want from the opening episode to give us some interesting characters, give us some interesting ideas of what's going to happen and to set up a storyline for the future. And I think they did this really well in this first episode so yes i absolutely defend the first episode of the punisher 3 a.m chris do you defend this episode of the punisher guys i'm on the fence i mean this in the nicest possible way you like fences i I do i love fences Uh, they're great borders (laughs) so i'm a bit i'm a bit on the fence yeah, I'm a bit on the fence about this episode. Um, so essentially what they've done is, yes, they're reintroducing the character. I get that. Um, but they've done it in such a way that it, it feels like a mission of the week procedural. They've given the impression of that in this first episode. So what you're going to get is a loss of people when, if episode two, that changes the premise, then that that's, you're going to get people going, well, this is not what I signed on for. Whereas, basically, people like ourselves who know the character, know that this, and know the Marvel Cinematic Netflix universe, we know that that's not how they're going to play this. We know this is not going to be a procedural mission of the week. So that's one element. A good element, Frank is back. 
we're given this broken character again, and we're given a character on trying to get redemption who's failing miserably, who's suffering from that. John Bernthal's portrayal of Frank, and I haven't mentioned that actually in this whole episode, his portrayal is still as tortured, still as fantastic. Like, this is an Emmy, again, suggestion. Like, I will never remember him for The Walking Dead anymore. I will forever remember him now as Frank Castle, as a stoic, tortured character. Mm-hmm. So I love that. My interest is piqued by Homeland Security, where they're going to go with that. What is the introduction? It's even more piqued by the fact that C. Thomas Howell is not in IMDb. Um, <laughs> so I really want to know why. The constant detective. Yeah, I'm going to wrap up. And this is slightly one of the reasons I'm still on the fence. We did not get your typical episode one cliffhanger for Netflix. Okay. We were given a beautiful ending action shots. So we got the Punisher being the Punisher. We're given someone clicking on a computer using a GAT recognition. I thought it was GATE, but it was GAT, G-A-T-T. It is GATE. It's my, it's, he's checking his walk. Yeah, so it was GATE. Okay. Apologies. I thought I said GAT and I was going to go, what the hell's a GAT? Um, but this, so this setup did not make me go, <gasps> I, I was not, as I have been in majority of episodes and seasons before, I was not like, I need to watch episode two. Wow. I need to know what happens next. Yeah, I don't know. And guys, I'm really, I'm sorry. I don't like seeing the negative. We always look for the positive in all of our episodes. But for me, this is kind of like, it felt me lukewarm. I'm like, oh, yeah, I could watch episode two now. Uh, well, actually, I want to go to bed. Whereas with Daredevil, I all it's just like give me, give me, give me. I was like, mm-hmm. okay, just one more, and it was suddenly four a.m. Like that's how when I do rewatches, I still was like, give me, give me, give me. Well, I'm gonna have to push you, Chris, as the producer uh, of the show. You do not have the option of I'm on the fence. It's either you defend or don't defend. We only have two options. Okay. So right now, I do not defend. Ooh. Sorry. Uh, That's so funny. Interesting. Okay. Well, John, do you defend the first episode of The Punisher? I do defend this episode of The Punisher. Yes. I give this three flying molars after a sledgehammer to the face out of five. Ooh, wow. Uh, But I do defend it, but only just because... I do kind of agree with a lot of what Chris has said about it seeming quite mission of the week, but I don't expect that to last. And I think in that sense, I do think it's a really nice nod to uh, the comic stories that can be like that. Um, Certainly for past comic stories. I think it ultimately helps people introduce um, Frank Castle back into the world and especially people who maybe have never watched daredevil and i think every character uh needs that i think you know we do a podcast on the marvel netflix shows we know that i wonder chris whether the reason why it's not a uh, a bombshell for for you is because we know micro because that bombshell was left at the end of daredevil season two so you already know that whereas if that was the first time we were seeing it you would be like oh wow there's micro who's that guy press play yeah so so i i kind of i get your point on that that it's not necessarily um 
that kind of oh wow what's going to happen next let's go on to the next one but uh for for other people i think that could be uh, and i i liked the fact that he was being followed by micro i thought that was a nice sort of creepy move um from from uh the show's part i really liked the fact that they connected it back into daredevil at the start i really am definitely intrigued and piqued by the whole army veterans and their circle of trust um in and the the ptsd element and how frank fits into that I'm also really intrigued by the Homeland Security and about Kandahar and about Frank's involvement in all of that uh, in terms of the, the, the smuggling of heroin or, and whether there's any more of that. Uh, but I, I thought this was a, a solid introduction into The Punisher and I really enjoyed it for, for that. Yes, yeah, so for me, I, I did enjoy it and that's why I do defend uh, this episode um, for sure. Um, I thought it was a, a nice introduction to Frank Castle just to reconnect with that character and I'm really intrigued to see, you know, his vengeance story, his classic origin has gone. What are we getting with this series of The Punisher? So I think that's what makes this episode really good for me. Bit of a mixed bag for the first episode of The Punisher. I guess we'll see how we continue on the episode. Um, please make sure you subscribe to the podcast over at DefendersTVPodcast.com slash iTunes if you're an Apple user uh, or go over to the website at DefendersTVPodcast.com and choose any of the ways of subscribing to the podcast. Um, if you want to send us your feedback at the moment, obviously we're recording ahead of time so we have no feedback for this episode but if you want to send in your feedback just email us at feedback at DefendersTVPodcast.com or pop on over to our Facebook group at Facebook.com slash groups slash DefendersTVPodcast and find the spoiler post related to the episode you want to discuss. Pop in your notes on there and we'll uh, we'll discuss them in the next episode. Yes, of course and you can also follow us over on twitter at DefendersCast, where we tweet all the latest news some of our thoughts and um, you'll always find one of us there or why not run over to apple podcasts or google play podcast uh, podcast addict subscribe tell your friends uh, we used to talk about grandmothers but i think i'll shake things up until tell your granddad this season, why not tell your granddad about <laughs> Defenders TV podcast every episode and go, hey, granddad, did you hear these three Irish guys chatting about this? Absolutely. Like a Werther's original, share the love with your granddad. Exactly. But don't forget, please write a review uh, as well, because the more people that hear about us, the more people that uh, know about us, the better. Absolutely. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope you're enjoying your watch of The Punisher and our podcast. We'll be back on Monday with our review of episode two, Two Dead Men. And we'll be back next Friday and every Friday from then on with our review of each of the episodes as we go through the series. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much, guys. And we'll speak to you next episode. Yeah, thanks so much for listening. We'll speak with you next time. <laughs> what was that? I'm my Punisher. <laughs> Whoa, I'm trying to do my gruff Punisher. <laughs> you're John Bernthal. I'm impressed. Bye. I hear a lot of people saying the blues, the blues, but I'm gonna tell you what the blues is. When you ain't